The Mariners' streak of four consecutive series victories has been snapped with a 2-0 shutout loss to the Red Sox yesterday, but Robbie Ray looked pretty good yesterday. We'll be talking about that and more on today's episode of Locked On Mariners. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, June 13th, 2022, and this is Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm Titan Gonzalez. He's Colby Patnode. We cover the Mariners over at InsideTheMariners.com. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez's DA. A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash control zone. We typically post two additional shows on there every week and get into some bigger ideas and bigger topics, whereas Lockdown Mariners covers more of the day-to-day with the M's. We also get into some non-baseball discussions on Control the Zone as well. It's a fun time, so be sure to check it out. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash control the zone. If this is your first time joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this and if you're watching this on youtube hit the subscribe button turn on the notification bell and give this video a thumbs up we greatly appreciate it and thank you so much for getting us to 1000 subscribers we really 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 appreciate the support now let's go get 2k why not so we're going to be talking about robbie ray's start yesterday uh, we're also going to be talking about a couple of players that were recently DFA'd that Colby likes for the Mariners. And the Twins are coming to Seattle. The Mariners obviously face the Twins and split a four-game set with them to open up this season. Now they'll see them again. And Seattle starting tonight. We'll get into that series, tell you all you need to know about that later on in the show. But first, uh, the Mariners, of course, were held to just one hit in yesterday's loss. That sucked. It was awful. It was completely brutal to watch. Despite having five of the game's hardest hit balls, the Mariners only had one hit in that game. Four of those resulted in outs. Just really, really frustrating stuff. And then Raphael Devers, of course, had one of the most absurd home runs you'll ever see. The guy hit a ball that was in almost in the other batter's box to straightaway left field. Just ridiculous stuff. That's why he's an MVP candidate this year. Uh, but Robbie Ray looked really good in this game. Arguably his best start in a Mariners uniform. He goes seven scoreless, four strikeouts, just one walk, only seven swings and misses, but the Red Sox were a a little aggressive in this game as well against Ray, and that's kind of become a trend here against Ray as well. There's been uh, some pretty aggressive lineups uh, going against him, but uh, overall, it was a really, really strong outing for Ray. There were some bumps in the road, of course, and some shaky defense from the Mariners as well that put Ray in a couple of uh, predicaments, but he was able to work through it, and a big reason for that was that two-seam fastball that he reintroduced uh, down in Houston in his last start. He used it 45 times in this game, the most of any pitch, generated 27 strikes, including 12 called strikes or whiffs, and uh, generated five ground ball outs, including a key double play against Bobby Dahlbeck with runners on the corners. So uh, that was uh, really working for him. And Colby, do you think this is uh, this is a weapon now that he's found, or is it still too early to tell? Yeah, I'd like to see it a few more starts, um, but it is certainly a uh, it's certainly a 
direction he's chosen to go. Uh, teams are going to be aggressive with his fastball early. Uh, they're going to try and lay off, lay off the slider. Well, the one way that Robbie Ray can counter that um, is to throw a pitch that will generate weaker contact. The forcing fastball is pretty straight. Um, it's not something that uh, is, is going to generate enough whiffs. Uh, it's 23.7%, which is okay on the, uh, for a fastball, but it's not a huge number. The slider is really the swing and miss pitch. So what the sinker allows him to do is it allows team, it allows Ray to get weak contact uh, because it's thrown with the same velocity as a four-seamer. Uh, the readouts on it last, yes, uh, last night were nearly identical. I think the difference in the max and the minimum between the two pitches was less than a two-tenths of a mile per hour. So think about you have a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, which is pretty straight, uh, and then you have a 94-mile-an-hour sinker, which dives low and away from righties. Uh, and you can see the movement when he throws it. And he obviously was very comfortable with it. He got a ton of weak contact outs with that sinker yesterday. And so it was just kind of looked like he decided that's what he was going to roll with um, because we didn't see the slider really hardly at all. It was mostly just fastball sinker. Um, and the sinker, again, is is it, it got really good results. And that's how you're able to go seven innings you know, and, and give up or and just throw 93 pitches. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good uh, effort there from from Robbie Ray. So I think it's something he's going to stick with for a little while. Uh, eventually, he's going to want to get back to the slider. It's his best pitch, um, but it is something to show other teams. And now he's used it in back to back outings. The results on it have been pretty good uh, for the most part. And I think the good news here is that he is definitely able to throw four strikes, and he's also able to kind of push it outside of the zone when he needs to, to get that, that, you know, weak ground ball contact that he sometimes needs. And, you know, Robbie Ray's big issue so far is, has been the one big inning. He can't seem to get that, that one out or get that clutch double play ball thrown a sinker. You know, you can kind of avoid that one big inning cause you can get two outs uh, on one pitch. And, and we kind of saw him do that early. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of the Minnesota start. That was mostly fastball slider, but, Still kind of similar results where he didn't strike out a ton, didn't get a ton of whiffs, but he got a ton of soft contact, kept his pitch count in great shape as a result. And anytime it looked like maybe there was a threat, he would induce a double play or a pop-up. And he saw the strikeout in his back pocket. He had a pretty big one of J.D. Martinez yeah. uh, in, in a, one of the only spots where the Red Sox really threatened. So, uh, yeah, he's still got to figure out the slider to take that next step, but uh, the sinker – is a viable pitch at the very least. It's something that he can throw uh, in any count, and it's one more pitch that the opposing team has to worry about. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, it helps him keep the ball on the ground more, which has been kind of an issue for him as of late. And Robbie Ray, as you pointed out, I think, on this show last week, used to be a ground ball pitcher, at least a little more ground ball inclined. Um, nowadays it's just, it's mostly fly balls and we've seen a lot of home runs come off the bat against him as well. He's, I believe second or third in major league baseball right now in home runs allowed. Uh, so having a pitch that, that can get the ball on the ground here fairly consistently. Again, we saw five ground ball outs. There were even more, uh, that were put on, on the ground when, when it went in play. And, uh, that that's huge for him. That, that opens up a different dimension for, for Robbie Ray right now. And something that, Frankly, he desperately needs because the two-pitch mix just wasn't working for him this year, straight up. Uh, the fastball, obviously the velocity uh, wasn't there to start the year 
and hasn't really come around until lately over the last few starts where he's now pretty consistently in the mid nineties. But it means the start of the year, he was 91, 92. That's not who Robbie Ray is. And that fastball is, is kind of straight. It, it doesn't really, you know, he's, he's just trying to overpower guys with that. And he just really hasn't been able to this year. And the slider has been kind of come and go throughout the year as well. So having this pitch, Despite not throwing it for however long it's been, I think it's been five years since the last time he threw this pitch. Um, not having that in his repertoire for so long, uh, it looks good. It looks like he's been using it for for quite some time. It looks pretty natural to him. And again, like you said, the most important thing here is he's throwing it for strikes. And that's the name of the game. And he's throwing it for quality strikes as well. He's getting the ball on the ground. He's keeping the ball low in the zone. And uh, it's creating some uh, some tough uh, situations for for opposing hitters. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Robbie Ray completely redid himself. Uh, he was a, a you know a pretty ground ball heavy guy, ground ball strikeout, which made him really appealing to a lot of uh, the uh, the analytically inclined folks because obviously strikeouts have a zero batting average, and, and ground balls have a significantly lower batting average than fly balls and line drives. You look at early in his career, he came up, he was 53, 50, uh, sorry, 45.3%. The next year he was 46.8, then 41.8, then 40.9, then 40.8. So really in Arizona, he was not ground ball heavy, but he it was significantly higher. And you look at the last three years, 25 and a half, 37.3. And this year right now it's at 37.4. So if he can get that ground ball rate back up into the low 40s, uh, figure out the slider command just a little bit. He's just a little bit off on the slider. You look at the heat map, the slider. There's a there's a good chunk that is elevated. You want it down uh, below the below the strike zone. There's a pretty significant chunk that's kind of up a little bit above the strike zone, but in the middle of the plate, and that's the issue. So if you can get back with that slider, uh, continue to work on the sinker in the meantime, uh, he can get back to you know what what he was uh, probably in 2017 which was pretty good. And honestly, I know the ERA says it's not true and the strikeout percentage needs to be better, but he's not all that far off from where he was last year. Uh, his XERA last year was 360. His XERA this year is 394. Robbie Ray has been okay overall. Uh, I know people think it's the worst contract the Mariners have ever signed. It's it's not even close. And uh, Ray's been okay. He needs to be better. He needs to be more consistent, but he's actually been okay so far. Yeah, for sure. And um, sorry, we had a little bit of a mic issue there um, with uh, with the restream, which we record on. But it happens. It happens. You know, I'm sure if you're watching this, you you know, all the technical difficulties that we uh, we deal with. But uh, so it goes. So it goes when you're working with technology. But yes, it's uh, it's been a, a good little turnaround here for for Ray. And hopefully he can keep it going. And, and this dates back pretty much to those last couple of innings in Houston as well when he was starting to throw the pitch so uh last nine ten innings or so for Ray have been good so we'll see if he can keep it going uh next start will be against uh Anaheim uh on this homestand so uh gonna be a difficult lineup for him to uh to face but one that is obviously dealing with some injuries right now uh so uh good chance there for for Ray to uh keep this little hot stretch that he's ongoing uh so the Minnesota Twins are coming to town we are going to be talking about this upcoming series in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Athletic Greens. 
I started taking Athletic Greens because I just don't have the time to research every single amazing thing that's going to make my body feel great, and I'm sure neither do you. So what is Athletic Greens? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things that only cost you less than $3 per day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And for every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash MLB network Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. And just a reminder, the ultimate NBA mock draft starts June 16th here on the Locked On Podcast Network. With over 50 insiders, nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. Again, first pick is June 16th. Search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. The Minnesota Twins are off to a really nice start here in the early going of the season. They are 13 games over 500. They are in first place of the uh, uh, AL Central. Sorry, they are eight games over 500. Read that wrong. But they are eight games over 500. They are three games ahead of the Guardians for first place in the AL Central. And they are playing some really good ball right now. And uh, Chris Archer going on the bump tonight for the Twins against the Mariners. Sure, we all know who Chris Archer is. It's been a weird few years for him. Some injuries, obviously, got traded to Pittsburgh and that, uh, or sorry, to uh, yeah, to Pittsburgh and that weird, weird, weird deal that sent Austin Meadows and Shane Pass to Tampa. That was uh, not a great trade by uh, by Pittsburgh. But Archer is back, and uh, he's been okay. He's thrown forty four and a third innings this year. Six nine zero Ks per nine. 426 walks per night, though. He, he is walking guys quite a bit. 365 ERA, but that is paired with a 492 FIP and a 526 expected ERA as well. So there is certainly an opportunity here for the Mariners' offense, but as I'm sure we all know, <laughs> it doesn't really matter who's on the bump when it comes to the Mariners' offense, and particularly whenever it's a pitcher that offers a pretty favorable matchup to the Mariners that's when you have to be wary <laughs> of what the Mariners offense might end up doing. Just like it yesterday against Cutter Crawford, who had a combined ERA of seven, four, seven, I believe entering yesterday's game between AAA and major league baseball, uh, shut him down, held him to one hit in that game. So who knows what the Mariners are going to do in this game offensively, but we got Chris Flexen on the bump. Uh, Flexen of course has been, Wildly inconsistent for the most part. There will be a game where he's he looks great. He gets the job done and, and then some. And then there's going to be a game where he just implodes, gives up four or five runs, and just isn't competitive whatsoever. So again, <laughs> just like with the offense, don't really know what you're going to get tonight out of Chris Flexen. Uh, but this is a uh, Twins team that is going to be very dangerous. 
Byron Buxton has been incredible as of late because, of course, he is. He's one of the best players in baseball. He's already been worth a win through the first 12 days of June. Uh, Jorge Polanco's on a nice little uh, hot stretch. Carlos Correa is back from injury, uh, and he's hitting well. Uh, Luis Arise is still doing Luis Arise things. A uh, couple of openings in their lineup right now. You know, Max Kepler is struggling right now. So is Gary Sanchez. But still, this is a lineup that is talented through and through. We, of course, saw them at the beginning of the season, and they gave the Mariners quite a tough time. Ended up splitting that series. The Mariners jumped out to a 2-0 start. So, Colby, I'll ask you this. What do the Mariners have to get done tonight to defeat the Twins? They have to either score more runs than the Twins mm. or allow fewer Mm. Um, either one works. I'm not picky. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's Archer's had an interesting year. He's only gone five innings twice, not more than five innings, five innings total twice. Yeah. He's never gotten a 16th out this year. Um, and he's been pretty good in his last two outings, one against Detroit, one against the Yankees, five innings in each outing. I uh, one earned run in each outing. Uh, so he's on a little bit of a roll here. Uh, of course, the outing before that, he went four innings against Kansas City, gave up uh, five runs. So, you know, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much, you know, you're facing a number five starter in all reality here. Uh, and Chris Archer, he doesn't he's not going to miss a ton of bats. Uh, he does walk guys a fair amount. That's a pretty elevated uh, walk rate. The stuff isn't amazing. It's going to be pretty fastball slider heavy. Mostly slider. Uh, it's not great command. It's not great control. Archer's a guy that the Mariners should put some runs up against. But, you know, he did hold the Yankees to one in his last outing. The Yankees are probably the best team in baseball. So it's a little bit of a mystery. You never know what you're going to get with the Mariners, and you really never know what you're going to get with Archer. But he's not going to strike out a ton of guys. The velocity's gone. The guy who struck out, you know, 10 guys per nine. He he's not around anymore. Archer is basically Chris Flexen at this rate. He's he's a you know eh, four decent five who can dominate on occasion, but more than likely is just gonna be four or five innings, give up three, four runs, and turn the ball over to your bullpen. Um, so yeah, you have to get on Archer early. Don't let him settle in. Uh he's only gonna go five innings, right? Uh so you have a chance to get after the Twins' bullpen, which isn't great, but obviously they have some some killer arms. Um, I, I think we all know who I'm talking about. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you want, you want to get to Archer early. Get out to a lead. Give Chris Flexen a little bit of breathing room. Um, and uh, just let him attack this lineup. So you got to get on Archer. The dude is, is a number five at best. And the Mariners lineup, while it's not good, it's good enough that they should they should handle most number fives, particularly one whose stuff is is been pretty mediocre so far this year. Yeah, Yundaran, uh, the guy that you were uh, alluding to, he is um, he's nasty. <laughs> he's one of the nastiest pitchers I've seen in quite some time, quite frankly. Uh, if, we're, if we're being honest about it, that that inning that he threw his first ever career inning uh, against the Mariners. Yeah was um, just ridiculous. I wasn't even mad. I was just, I was impressed. <laughs> I was just very, very much impressed. Um, I saw this team 
recently in person. And if I could base my scouting report off of that one game, I would tell you the Twins are just absolute trash because they lost that game 12-3. to Dylan Bundy got smoked by the Blue Jays. But, of course, the Blue Jays are uh, very good at baseball. And uh, Carlos Correa was also not playing in that game so that also might have had a uh, an impact as well but it was uh yeah 12-3 blue jays defeating the uh, the twins in that game that was a uh, not a very fun game to be at i mean fun if you're a blue jays fan but if you're just there to just watch some ball yeah it was so so but yeah, yeah. hoping that we see that that twins team that version of this twins team in this series rather than what they've been pretty much outside of that game don't let Byron Buxton beat you. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good advice, I would say. Yeah. Also, Luisa Rise, best hitter in baseball nobody talks about. Well, one person was talking about him mm. before this monster year, but, you know. Just saying. Just saying. Yep. Me and Brandon Warren, the president and vice president of the Luisa Rise fan club, y'all can still join, but there is a processing fee now. Should have gone mm. in on the ground floor. Yeah. Tie. Well, I mean, I like Luis Arise. I, I do. I, I never Did said you, though? that I didn't. Did I you, never though? said that I didn't. I never said that I didn't. Mm. That should count for something, at least. No. No. Look, man, just because you came up with an idea doesn't mean you own the rights to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not threatening to sue anybody, so, you know. Uh, yeah. Shout out to anyone that's been reading my Twitter today. You've uh, you've probably seen uh, the fun that's been going on today. Anyway, we're not going to be focused on, on that. Instead, we're going to be shifting our focus to a couple of names that were recently DFA'd. Colby likes both of them for the Mariners. We're going to be talking about them in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online is where the game starts. So, a uh, couple of Chicago teams DFA'd a couple of players that you like, Colby. White Sox DFA'd your mean Mer- uh, Mercedes Mercedes over the uh, the weekend, and then the Cubs DFA'd uh, Clint Frazier as well. So, you've talked about these guys on InsideTheMariners.com. You wrote an article about them today. Go check that out if you're listening now or watching, and. Um, yeah, both of these guys you have at least a, a modicum of interest in from the Mariners' perspective. Let's start with Mercedes, who, of course, you know, exploded onto the scene last year, was off to an amazing start. He was in the rookie of the year conversation, all this stuff. And then Tony LaRusa publicly dragged him, being the crotchety old man that LaRusa is, publicly dragged him for. Breaking the unwritten rules, celebrating a home run, pimping a home run, up late, you know, up big, late in a game, etc. Whatever. We don't have to go over it all. I believe that was in Minnesota, actually. But he publicly shamed him. And then after that, Mercedes went on a dry spell and was demoted to AAA and contemplated retirement. Even I believe he even announced on Instagram that he was retiring and then changed mm-hmm. his mind. Uh, but now he's been DFA'd. Uh, he's... 
technically a catcher, but not very good behind there. <laughs> and uh, not very good at first base either. He's pretty much just a DH type. Uh, what more can you tell me about Mercedes, and why do you like him for the Mariners? Yeah, defensively, Mercedes is the guy that some Mariner fans think Luis Torrens is behind the plate. Like, just doesn't belong back there. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. You know, it wasn't for pimping a home run. It was because he had the audacity to swing 3-0 and to a pitch thrown by Will and Ostadios uh, in a blowout game and hit a home run. Um, what's interesting about that is that uh, Mercedes, after he hit that home run, uh, was slashing 363, 417, 571 in about 150 plate appearances. After LaRusso made his comments and basically apologized to the Twins for his player hitting a home run, uh, he hit 150, 222, 196 in about 118 appearances, plate appearances. So, look, is it easy to say LaRusso just, you know, sapped the joy out of this guy and that's why he struggled? Sure. Is it also possible that, you know, the 28 year old rookie at the time, uh, you know, just had a really good success and the league started to figure him out? You know, that, that, that's also possible. So I don't know which is the truth. I would imagine it's more of the latter. But, you know, the fact that this guy was riding high for the first two months and then LaRusa did what he did. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, retiring or contemplating retirement. This is a guy who might just need a change of scenery. Um, I think he can hit some last year. He finished, uh, when you combine the two halves, basically of a season, he had 271, 328, 401, uh, was a 120 WRC plus. That's pretty respectable. Um, Mercedes, you know, as you mentioned, the, the issue here is the fielding. Don't want him catching. Don't want him playing first base. You're pretty much going to ask him to DH. Um, but the Mariners don't have a DH right now. They're carrying Sam Haggerty on the roster and not using him except to pinch run, which is weird, but whatever. They're also carrying nine relievers. They do have an open roster spot. Justin Upton's not doing anything in AAA uh, of note. Uh, Kyle Lewis hasn't even started uh, baseball activities yet, and he is going to require a rehab stint uh, from his concussion. And, and you kind of look at what Mercedes did at the very least against left-handed pitching last year. He hit 339, 386, 523. DHM against lefties, you know, put Dylan Mora, who's starting to hit lefties a little bit out in right field. And all of a sudden you have a decent platoon advantage whenever you face a left-handed starter. Um, mm -hmm. That's something worth carrying for a little bit, at least. Um, and if he doesn't hit, you haven't lost anything. And we should also mention he has a minor league option. So you don't have to put him on the 26-man roster right away. Right. It just, uh, it's a free claim. You know, he's got to get through the AL first. I believe the Mariners are sixth, the sixth-worst record in the AL. Uh, mm -hmm. So they have a shot. They have a shot to claim him if they want. I suspect the whole I, – I suspect the, the lack of defensive versatility will prevent Jerry from looking at him. Um, but I would rather have him as my DH – uh, particularly against lefties than I would even Justin Upton. Um, but it does seem like they, they are committed to getting Justin Upton to the big leagues no matter what. Mm -hmm. And that might even happen today. We'll see what happens with that. Um, still mm -hmm. time for them to, to make some roster moves ahead of two, uh, ahead of tonight's game. Uh, we expect that Ken Giles is going to be activated at some point here in the coming days as well. Uh, by the way, off 
kind of off topic, but with with Giles, um, did he make his last uh, rehab? Not that I've seen no appearance yet. Okay, because apparently he was supposed to make one more before he gets activated. So maybe that comes tonight. Maybe that comes tomorrow. Who knows? And then he'll get activated. Uh, all right. So Frazier, obviously former Yankee, uh, the uh, subject of a very common meme <laughs> with uh, Miguel Andujar. About, you know, just trade those guys for Mike Trout, trade them for, mm-hmm. you know, Byron Buxton, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but Frazier has been a good player at times. Uh, but recently he's dealt with some injuries, including a, a concussion that has led to some migraines that he's been dealing with, some uh, vision issues overall that he's been dealing with for the last year or so. Uh, and that's pretty much correlated with his. Uh, recent struggles as well that pretty much lines up perfectly with uh, him uh, kind of just falling off the face of the earth. He's been bad for the most part here over the last year, year and a half. But 2019 and 2020, he was pretty good. So you have long been the leader of the uh, Clint Frazier fan club, at least the Seattle division of the Clint Frazier fan club. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Now, accounting for everything that's happened to Frazier over the last year or so, uh, what are your thoughts on him? Why do you still like him? Why do you still believe in him? Well, we can start with the fact that he's a 27-year-old former top-five pick who is a plus athlete and has a major league track record of success. I I don't know why I need to say more than that. Uh, he plays in a position you desperately need bats in, and – yeah, I mean, I know the injuries thing is is part of it, and you have to take that into account. But the you also have to take into account that he played for the Yankees, and the Yankees did not give Frazier the time of day that he deserved, um, and he felt he had earned. He wasn't happy with the Yankees. He felt like they were constantly, you know, choosing Aaron Hicks and Brett Gardner over him, despite the fact that he was pretty productive when they let him play. Um, in he played 108 games combined between 2019 and 2020. He hit 267, 347, 497 with 20 home runs. In 2020, he was even 79th percentile in outs above average. He was 93rd percentile in base on ball percentage. He had the best chase rate, as in the lowest chase rate in Major League Baseball in 2020, 100th percentile. He found the barrel. He hit the ball hard. He took his walks. Yes, he's going to strike out. That's part of his game. But he's also a really good athlete who's got plus power, who's not who's not going to chase outside the zone, which allows him to draw plenty of walks. Um, and you know he's even shown that he is a good defender uh, in a corner spot. And there's still a lot of upside here. He's only 27. Uh, you know sometimes it just fi- takes finding the right organization to kind of jumpstart things. Um, and I would suspect with Frazier playing you know in the outfield, he's better than Justin Upton. That's not even a debate right now. He's a guy who could stick around long after Kyle Lewis comes up. Um, and the fact that he walks over his last three years, he's he's posting an, a 15% walk rate. And granted, that's a small sample size because of the injuries, like you mentioned, but yeah, he's walking 15% of the time. And he's yeah. going to strike out roughly 28 to 29% of the time. But you're going to get power. You're going to get... You know, in theory, you should get pretty good defense. At least the last time he was healthy, he gave you pretty good defense. Um, and I just, I think there's upside here. And I look at this and I go, Clint Frazier playing right field and batting seventh 
is a lot better than Clint Frazier or is a lot better than Dylan Moore batting sixth in playing right field. It's it's a legitimate hey, bat. It could be a legitimate bat. That's yeah. that is late game hero Dylan Moore to you. Sir. I mean, congratulations to Dylan Moore for hitting the 93 mile an hour fastball that was teed up down the middle of the plate. He hit it hard. Good for him. But yeah, the guy I mean, went to on. a ball game and you won't even. Jeez, man. I didn't. I didn't. All I said is that the pitcher threw him a cookie and he hit it. Good for him. We. Oh my god, it was the most amazing piece of hitting I've ever seen. It was Raphael Devers esque. Get out of here. It was literally a 93 mile an hour fastball down the middle of the plate, and he hit it hard. Good, he did his job. I'm happy for him. But Frazier's better. Clint Frazier's a better player. He's a better fit for this team, and he's young and he's talented and. He just I, he has a major league track record that Dylan Moore can't even sniff. Neither can Sam Haggerty, by the way. He's better than Justin Upton when he's been healthy the last few years. So it's like, what are we doing here? We're not going to go after Clint Frazier because we're worried about Kyle Lewis maybe getting back someday. Get out of here. Well, well, that's yeah. the thing too, right? And I just wrote about this on Inside the Mariners. I, I, I ranked you know some of the Mariners' positional needs. I put corner outfield as number two. Because, you know, and also I'm taking into account cost of acquisition, you know, some other circumstances that go into it as well. You know, catcher would be a lot higher if, you know, the, the market wasn't a so total barren. Yeah. yeah, if it wasn't a barren wasteland, catcher would probably be number two. But, you know, corner outfield is is a very big spot for the uh, for the Mariners because, like you said, Kyle Lewis is going to get healthy, but it's likely Maybe. that he's not he's not going to get he's that he's not going to play in the outfield at all this year when he does get healthy. And then you're also relying on Mitch Haniger to get back on time and to produce at a at a relatively high level immediately because you kind of need him to. Yeah. yeah, because you because you pretty much need him to mm-hmm. at that point in the season. Because that's the latter half of the season at that point. There, time's running out. You're going to need it's. It's really now or never at that point for Mitch Haniger. So those things, and also Justin Upton is is not your savior. Savior. We've talked about this. The guy has significantly regressed over the last three seasons. So you need to take shots in the corner outfield. Taylor Trammell has regressed over the last six or seven games. So yeah. that platoon with, with Dylan Moore not really working out for you. There have been some contributions here and there over the last couple of weeks, but that is too inconsistent uh, of, of production to get from your corner outfield spot, particularly in right field. And on top of this, Jesse Winker is still kind of jogging in place right now. So, you know, both of your corner spots are just not producing at a level that you need them to. Uh, like you said, that those are two places that you absolutely need offensive production from, that you need bats in. And they haven't really supplemented that loss of production elsewhere along the roster either. So it's pretty much you're going with the typical holes that you that any team or most teams usually have on the roster. You know, catcher is not going to be a big offensive spot for like 28 teams. And then, you know, the... the you know, second base has been kind of come and go for the Mariners here with Adam Frazier and, and Toro. And those guys have kind of gone, you know, Frazier's had some hot uh, stretches here, but he's also been really cold as of late. So, you know, you pair the corner outfield spots with a couple of those spots as well. And it's just it, you you're you're subjecting yourself to having multiple black holes in your lineup on any given night. You need to just 
take some shots here until the trade deadline gets closer and teams start getting more willing to actually want to trade with you. So while Clint Frazier might not be the um, the fix for the whole season, he might be a, a good enough bridge to get you closer to the deadline when maybe the Orioles are willing to listen on Anthony Santander or what have you, right? Right. Also worth pointing out, Frazier does have a minor league option left somehow. That's so, crazy. Really? Wow. He's been in the big leagues five years. He's spent time going up and down from the minors all five years. And he still has, somehow has an option left. That's so – I thought you only get three. Wait, what? Yeah, I, How does that work? I, I don't And I think, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, he has three years of club control left. So, Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I'm saying just, it right now. Clint Frazier is this year's Jake Bowers. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if wishing made it so, but <laughs> I feel like I just have to admit that Jerry DePoto just doesn't like Clint Frazier, yeah. Which I mean, does make me look down on Jerry a little bit because it's mm. pretty stupid, but you know, it is what it is. Sometimes guys like other guys. I just I feel like Frazier was pretty much done dirty by the Yankees, um, yep. and I feel like the Mariners are a supportive team with the right people in place who can kind of help him, assuming health, which who knows. Uh, but yeah. they can really help him kind of reach his, his ceiling. And again, he's only 27. He doesn't turn 28 until, you know, mid-September. He could be Mitch Yanniger. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, C-A-N-E. GNZLZ and Colby at CPAT11, the CPAT11. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. Now make your second listen of the day locked on MLB. That's where Paul Francis Sullivan and please call him Sully brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues present and past. It's free wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace.